So we're sitting here with uh, three new people who have not been on the podcast before. So a uh, very special episode, obviously. Uh, and as usual, I'm Frederick. I'm Anna. I'm Mati. I'm Afni. And Fabian. So three new people. Uh, obviously, uh, everyone around the table is parody people, uh, but we're coming from very different parts of uh, sort of the company or part with very different backgrounds, and we've come into the community with, with very different backgrounds. Um, and I think talking about this uh, sort of journey through like how you got started to where you are today can be interesting, especially with some of the people here. Frederick, can you start? How did you get interested in this space? I can do a very short intro, which is I was obviously interested in Bitcoin and stuff in 2013, 14. I actually bought an ASIC miner to mine S-Crypt coins, so Litecoin and oh. Dogecoin uh, back in 2014. And I was really like into the space at that point. And then I kind of, I lost interest a little bit, but also a little bit because I like founded a company, got interested in a bunch of other things and kind of left it. And then a friend introduced me to Ethereum like the start of 2016. And I looked into it and I instantly realized that like, finally there's something that isn't just like a cryptocurrency, like cryptocurrencies in themselves don't interest me a ton actually. I think there's, I mean, it's obviously revolutionizing in many aspects, but it's, it, it was never the thing that actually like really grabbed me. Mm. But building decentralized applications and like what we've now come to call Web3 is something that I instantly was like, this is actually really cool and I want to like know more about this and get more involved in it. So I did. What about oh. you, Matthew? Oh, I have <clears throat> sort of a similar story. So I did some some Bitcoin buying, trading, whatever, very, like very, very tiny amounts and very, very like 2000, actually late 2011, 2012. So the price of Bitcoin was like 15 bucks or something like that. Um, but then I was you know, doing some things and doing some life changes and moving to Berlin. Um, I sold out all my Bitcoin um, while moving to Berlin to to you know be able to to pay my rent and, and do other things, uh, and then kind of kind of also left it there. And you know, a couple of days, couple couple of years later, I just started interested in like some some low level stuff. Started to get interested in Rust, got interested in in like parsers, among other things, and and eventually. Ended up at uh, party now, or still left for when was when I joined uh, via more via dangerous actually in the the like the, the cerebral cerebral kind of uh, programming that's not necessarily UI based or not isn't like a product for customers isn't like a thing it's more of an actual technology that's just just interesting for the technology's sake. You know, it was like different from what I used to do and, and like interesting to me that respect the fact that it was also coming back to, to something that I, I was somewhat familiar with mm -hmm. like years before was, yeah. 
made, made, made the additional perk, so to speak. As a former and still to some degree web developer, I can super relate to that world where when I was like only quote unquote a web developer, I could not see like any programming job that didn't touch the web. Like it was obviously you do web, like what is there else other than like I knew some people were working on writing drivers or like Mm -hmm. whatever. But it's like, I couldn't really visualize what that job was that you're not doing like internet stuff. And um, I think a lot of people actually are attracted to parody and, and this space because you can work on core infrastructure and you can do really cool shit that isn't like building or like a SaaS. Afri, do you want to tell us a bit of your story? I... Um... I was reading a book in summer of 2013, it's called Cyberpunk by Julian Assange, Jake Applebaum et al. And um, they had, this was like, it was written like a discussion, like like we are sitting here and they are talking about topics and one, one chapter was covering Bitcoin and this was the first time I realized what Bitcoin actually is and um, that Bitcoin is actually a thing, not... Uh, uh, interesting in, in both ways, technically and politically. Yeah. And um, I was totally stunned about the potential impacts on, on society, on, on, on banks and so on. And this is how I got into Bitcoin and I started mining immediately. So I looked into Bitcoin and it didn't work out at all because it was too, too difficult in 2013. And it was a time when Bitcoin was at around $70 and when you went to Bitcoin talk, talk and you were a new user, everyone told you yeah, it's, it's totally too late to get in and you're, you're just missed it and like, that's t- totally, totally, totally nice to look back at this, 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 these comments uh, from this time. And so I quickly got involved with Litecoin a lot, so I was okay. deeply integrated into the Litecoin scene. And um, When did Litecoin come out? I don't know, it was around for a while, 2012, Okay. I think. Wow. And um, I got into the BitShares community very early, so even before it launched. And this is when I realized um, that my skills as a developer are quite useful. I was doing, they, they had some kind of bounty program, so they set up all tasks they didn't manage to do on their own for the community and they everyone could just grab the, the task, do it and claim bounties and that was how I got hands on my first crypto coins cool. like, um, and they were paying ridiculous bounties for like I was maintaining the, the coin market cap API for protoshares and they paid me like 8000 euros just for this was like a five lines of ruby at a cron job <laughs> and maintaining a, a, a node huh. uh, so it was yeah i later used to be core developer for some coins you you said uh, earlier uh, when we were talking about this that um you lost interest in this space and sort of left for a while and why why was that yeah i um there was like this Altcoin bubble in 2014, where like seven new coins la- launched every day, and um, there was very few innovation and a lot of hate 
because there was a lot of money in this in this in this space. This was sh shortly after the first uh, Bitcoin bubble, um, and there was a lot of money in the space, and people are invested in different coins, and they started hating each other. Like, like dark coin people hated Monero people. People they were hating. I don't know how the other coins were called at this time. <clears throat> and um, at this time, I was core developer for dark coin, I think, uh, and I eventually quit. Because I was like, totally pissed off about the dark coin governance, and I also decided to just leave everything behind and never look back at cryptocurrencies because it was really, uh, yeah, really stress stressful. I'm quite a sensible person, and I didn't want to go on into this, this a, space. A very toxic environment. Exactly, and um, funnily enough, the same year it was early. 2015, uh, I was contacted by some non-profit in Berlin. They were looking into blockchain research and friends of friends recommended me, my name, because they knew I had something to do with blockchain and I was doing, this, <coughs> this was a, a non-profit organization looking into building democracy apps, decentralized democracy apps and they were looking into different blockchain options but needed some kind of expert. I was not really an expert but I had at least some overview of that space and this is how I uh, discovered Ethereum shortly after it launched and um, that was quite interesting coming from this toxic altcoin scene into uh, like a community on, on Reddit for instance that was entirely talking about technical aspects, about visions and uh, I was totally surprised and I uh, was uh, immediately reading the white paper and I was <laughs> yeah, eventually uh, assembling a new mining rig <laughs> <laughs> because I was um, yeah, totally back in. So the enthusiasm came back and yeah. it was back yeah. to square one, like starting starting the mining process all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I, I love mining. I'm, 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 I, I like the idea that everyone can participate, you know. It's like difficult for the Bitcoin, for instance, and for it's also today difficult for Ethereum, but the, the initial idea behind that is pretty interesting. I think it's what's made cryptocurrency possible. It's, it's what made it what it is today. Mm. Uh, it is that ethos of everyone can participate and everyone is allowed to play. You were um, like very, very early on, like a Ethereum Stack Exchange moderator, right? Yes. Like, how did they came together? And to clarify, Afri is moderator on the Ethereum subreddit today and ha has been from the start or early on at least. You're also moderator on the Stack Exchange? Was. Was. I'm not anymore. And uh, has been involved in. Yeah, I mean, basically every community effort in Ethereum for a long time. How did the Stack Exchange uh, thing evolve? Stack Exchange is a nice network of Q&A questions, uh, sites for Q&A questions. And the nice idea about that is that everyone can launch its own site or propose its own site and 
when uh, Ethereum gained some traction in the end of 2015, someone proposed a Ethereum stack exchange. And I was totally in love with that idea to have a separate Q&A site for Ethereum, a technical Q&A site, because I knew that, that Ethereum will create some new ecosystem, a new, a completely new system for, of, for developers around uh, a technology stack that's completely different from everything we've seen before. This is why um, Ethereum Stack Exchange is also a very successful site in, 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 in the space, in the network, and uh, I think it was like the fastest site that's ever graduated mm. on the Stack Exchange network. So developers probably know it. Would, it's like Stack Overflow is the most popular site on Tech Exchange Network. And yes, I was very active in the beginning because I wanted to learn about Ethereum. I was also professionally involved with Ethereum, so I had questions. I had a lot of questions and it was a perfect place to get answers. And right. eventually was uh, proposed to be, uh, I was nominated to be moderator and I accepted it. And I think I'm still top three member by reputation because I had a lot of questions in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, today I'm not using it as active anymore as I did two years ago. It's still a valuable resource. Mm-hmm. Um, so my story of involvement just generally blockchain is more recent. The first time, so I actually heard about this all, I, I believe, from Jutta Steiner uh, who's the CEO of Parity, place where I now work? And I remember, I think it was, I think it was around three years ago. I met her for coffee, maybe more, but I met her for coffee, and she was telling me that she was getting involved in this new space. She mentioned Ethereum, and she mentioned blockchain, and I'd sort of heard something about that at conferences, but I didn't. I'd I'd always sort of written that off as fintech and just like something far away from what I was doing in tech, which was like video tech stuff and so I just I just wasn't particularly interested in it but when I heard she was going into it I remember being like oh yeah this is okay maybe I'm going to pay a little bit more attention to it and then once she got really involved I remember I think it's two two years ago I remember starting to go to things with her and starting to understand a little bit more of like some of some of her friends were working on projects that were kind of interesting and had real world applications I remember like supply chain management and transparency on blockchain. That was like obviously the first case where you're like, oh, I can kind of imagine this having uh, an application that goes past just being a fintech product. And then my my real interest in it started, I would say, like, so I was I started doing sort of tech salons at my house where I would just get a bunch of people together and we'd have conversations about different topics and one of the topics was blockchain and I was like, well, I'll definitely have to invite Yuta and we started talking about her coming to this dinner but we actually just started meeting a lot more um, maybe because of that and there was all these other topics that were coming up about founding companies and working in this industry and stuff and um, as that was going on, I was definitely starting to be like more and more curious and so I was like, okay, cool. Like I want to find out more about this and then 
I was, I just realized that this wasn't just like a passing interest, which I had had for maybe other technologies, but this was starting to become like, becoming mildly obsessive with this idea. And I, and I didn't feel like from where I was sitting that I could really get into it and understand how it was working. Um, and so I, I spoke to Utah and we started talking about me potentially joining her and Parody to get more involved, to understand to get a chance to work with some of the best people in the space. I mean, I thought it was a really cool opportunity, and I th and I think I had something to offer in terms of adding some value to the company, and so I joined. And since then, it's been very much a learning experience, and I think this podcast is part of that as well, to like actually get a chance to think about research and then ask some really smart people about this stuff. Yeah, so... Um... My story, I mean, it depends how far you want to go back, but I guess the first time I heard about Bitcoin, that was probably, was probably, yeah, I was still in high school, I guess. That was 2012. Um, but then, I mean, back then it was just, okay, it's like nerd internet money. I don't know what it is. I don't care. <laughs> um, but it got a bit more serious in uni where I had a bunch of friends around me that founded, um, the Bitcoin meetup um, at my university um, that I was quite close with and it also started mining and you know that quite a few friends that drove their parents crazy because of their energy bills and whatever and uh, I don't know um, like you know just never really got serious with it invested a bit of my very limited student budget um, and uh, but always had an eye on it but it was like basically the time where a lot of the altcoin fever, Mt. Gox, um, uh, Silk Road stuff was happening. Like it wasn't that interesting to me. I don't know, um, but I remember, like, I don't know, like the Wired articles, like the the rise and fall of Bitcoin. Where like you know, basically people were like this is that, like this was this was it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, it came up again for me in 2015, where I was working at. Porsche in Germany, like an automotive, and um, it was kind of like my first professional experience, so to say, in the research department there. And uh, I hated it, like it was so German, <laughs> traditional engineering, and like so slow paced. And I was looking for something like you know, like a very, very radical change, kind of. And um, I had a friend Bjorn who stood with us in the company, like I knew from from um, a while back who just started with, um, with parody and, uh, yeah, so I thought, okay, like this, you know, this sounds crazy. <laughs> like I know a bit about it, but not too much, but, um, you know, let's, let's, let's try this out. It's kind of like how I started professionally with it. Did you, so I had this moment, especially when I first heard about it, I, I was hearing about it mostly on the news or, I mean, then started to hear about it conferences and with Utah, but I remember thinking that it was really weird and kind of creepy. Like, I remember being a bit like, oh, it's like, I, I had this impression of the people who would be involved in it being just like, little criminal, little, little, like. Yeah, not not even criminals, but like, I mean, I, I, I knew a lot of people who were involved, like really good friends of mine who were involved very early on. But those were always the guys who were like, like, you know, not, I don't know 
not the average shows, like more like the people who are looking for the new stuff, but oh. also a lot of the people who are like, okay, um, a lot of anarchists, a lot of the people who are like, um, like a lot of my friends who are like super um, left-wing and fuck the system and like this is the revolution. Um, and they wanted to buy drugs. <laughs> Some of them, I guess. I but, uh, it was also a lot of talking. Like I remember it was just a lot of talking. Like going, for example, to the, to the Bitcoin meet up there, like it wasn't, nothing actually came out. Like people were just oh, like, this is the new shit, and it was just some Bitcoin fork that somebody called Panda Coin or whatever, and, like, everybody was excited about it, but there's no actual innovation going on. So, something I'm interested in hearing this group's opinion on, Efri mentioned earlier that, like, the developer uptake in the stack exchange had great growth, and, like, Obviously, like this is what attracted me to Ethereum is like the potential to build applications on top of it. So, how has the developer initiative gone over the years? Like, how did it start, and how has it developed, and where do we think it's going? Uh, I've been on Stack Exchange from day one of the private beta, and I was very active. I was always doing this in the night times in my free time and. Whenever I was around, I was basically checking every question, every answer. I was even correcting stuff, uh, uh, proofreading stuff, uh, improving stuff. And this for like one and a half a year. I was able to manage everything that happened on this site. And two things changed in 2017. So, so uh, hang on one second. Did you manage that because you are an incredible person and spent an incredible <laughs> amount of time doing it? Or because there actually wasn't all that much content? Both. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in 2017? Yeah, uh, first of all, we had uh, so many new developers in the space that the volume on Serum Stack Exchange exploded, like to rates of 40 questions per day, so not a single person can, can, can manage it. As a moderator on Ethereum Stack Exchange, I was uh, I had insights and site statistics, so I was able to see actually the, the graph going up, and so it was like nothing. I was able to catch up in my free time anymore. And um, at around the same time, I joined Parity in the beginning of 2017, and I was hardly keeping up with questions only tagged with Parity. So I was uh, after managing for almost two years the whole Ethereum space, I was was hardly able to manage the parity uh, uh, support requests and that was uh, one of the most significant uh, changes in 2017. That's pretty interesting. So, I mean, there, there's obviously been a lot of developer interests from day one. And like you said, the Stack Exchange is one of the fastest graduating of all of them, which means there's some significant growth even pre-2017. But so at the start of 2017, this is like this is before the price really goes up because the price went up like mid 2017. May. Yeah, yeah, I kind of started. Like, it started February. In, in February, yeah. so it, it's so, a so little bit it, correlated. What is was it correlated yeah. to the price or yeah? Okay, yeah, I feel like a lot of that came also through the whole. Uh, Ethereum Enterprise Alliance and all these crazy announcements of like big companies, big names suddenly mm. committing to this technology. Um, yeah, and it's just brought in a lot of people and a lot of money. Yeah, but but also developers. So um, 
all these companies, for instance, uh, joining the Serum Enterprise Alliance, they they have departments. Some of them are big enough to have their own blockchain departments, and they have their developers looking into all kind of blockchain solutions, and they also look into uh, Ethereum, and they start building smart constructs because that's something that has never been around in this form. So did the nature of questions change from like 2016 when it was just the average, you know, dude trying to look into what this was to 2017 where, you know, maybe it's focused on trying to make money off this thing because the price is going up or it's because of enterprise developers entering the space. Like, did you feel any change in the community at that time? Um, talking about stack exchange, no, it didn't change. It's just the quantity and people had more in-depth questions but of course like communities with less technical focus like the Ethereum subreddit changed significantly so there is always this rule like no uh, no market talk, no price discussion, no ICOs but the Ethereum, is, the Ethereum community used to be very technical at its core for all these years but this changed this year Obviously, there are a lot of people just interesting, interested in following what's what's happening to Ethereum, and there's a lot of people around that are not too annoyed with the technical aspects. That's that's totally fine. They're but not necessarily interested in the technical aspects. They're interested in what's being built on the platform, or yeah, like what's coming, or like what can they do, and like as non-developers yeah. with it. Is that still a rule on the subreddit? That yeah. You can't talk about ICOs and you can't talk about... You can. Uh, so the, it's a bit difficult. You, you, you're not allowed to... You're not allowed or you're advised not to advertise ICOs. Okay. So you can still discuss te technical aspects. This often breaks down to people discussing their crowd sale contract. Something I'm really curious about as well is... Um, how have developer tools changed over the time? Because we at Parity, like, we're working on developer tools. We're working on, have been working on a lot of stuff over the years. And we're, like, ramping up those efforts to some degree and trying to build more stuff and help people and build libraries, etc. But how has this space developed? Well, I'm actually not, not super aware of how it developed. I think one thing that did happen this year um, or is happening, I, and I, I, we we are ramping up, ramping up our efforts, but, but I think there is there, there comes like a great realization in the community that that the way the way things are since like I guess actually since the beginning of this year and since like this whole ICO craze and people actually starting to build things and the price is going up and suddenly there is like crazy amount of money involved and and mistake therefore is more costly. That, that the way we build stuff on Ethereum isn't necessarily sustainable. Uh, and, and, and I think this also like kind of comes to the, um, the influx of developers we have are not necessarily developers that are super security oriented. Like we, we have all the people who, who do come from the web or, and it's kind of, kind of by design and kind of a fault of the design that you know, Solidity is, is kind of advertised as similar to JavaScript reasonably, and then you can build stuff with, with JSON RPC in JavaScript. Um, 
and it, it, it is kind of easy and nice and approachable but at the same time it, it does create this weird like dissonance where this is not web development this is not the environment where you move fast and break things because if you break things you can't fix them like you, you cannot fix them you have to have them fixed when you deploy them mm. which is a very different mindset and I, and I think and, and, and we can see that like there, there's more than us and there's, there's like multiple initiatives to, to to change the situation to improve the situation to to look at how programming industries um, deal with with analog situations so, so like how NASA programmers deal with like the fact that you know the software they, they release has to work or people die how people who program pacemakers build their software because if they fuck up people die um well people not, doesn't necessarily die because of Ethereum, but you know there's like multiple tens of millions of dollars of damages potentially in the line so so how, how do you how do you write software in this environment where your mistake can cost you a lot and it's it's not reversible uh, and I think I think the the approach is changing, and we we will see more more effort put into um, things like static analysis tools for 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 solidity. I'm not sure if we will see many more like languages that will compile the VM, but maybe. Um, but definitely like more static analysis tools, more more testing frameworks, um, fast testing, like anything that can like systematically improve the situation and, and like solve solve problems before they arrive uh, that don't involve necessarily spending 250,000 on an audit uh, you know might might improve the situation quite a lot and and as far as the ecosystem itself is involved I think this is like in, in like the grand scheme of the battle of ideas between like smart contracts with drink complete ethereum versus uh, Super conservative Bitcoin or Satoshi's vision is the only vision ever, you know, obeyed religion or or be cast out. Um, it, like this is a problem we have and we need to solve it, or or we might we might lose the battle. Um, this is a slight switch from what we're just talking about, but um, I'm wondering. So we're we're talking we are talking a little bit about like the community people who've become really interested. Um, but there's also a bunch of, um, there's also the side, which is like the companies and the corporates and the people, these bigger organizations and bigger entities getting excited about it. And for better or worse, like it's just, it is happening. And I think you mentioned, we mentioned, I think Fabi, you mentioned at one point this mm -hmm. thing, like where you could see when they got excited about it, prices changed, concepts changed around it. I mean, you have some insight into like what people are saying in that space. Yeah, I think so. A lot of things change there, but like uh, one one big thing is like um, if you I don't know like went into an executive workshop like beginning this year, people were like, you just had to mention blockchain. People were excited, and this was like the new thing, and like people were like, oh, like tell me about blockchain. Like this was in itself innovative now people are like okay like i do understand what blockchain is but what's you know like they have like some sort of information but it's often very um 
like Ethereum is often already like the old thing, you know, like oh. they already read about like some crazy stuff that somebody apparently developed that is like 10x or 100x better and like have very like based on very thin information, um, you know, like have some sort of understanding and um, yeah, I don't know, like it's, uh, I don't think it, it got easier because before that it was just um there was just nothing and you could like just educate people and build from from nothing and now it's just a lot of misinformation ah. you know but oh like last week there was someone from McKinsey and he told us that and then you have to say yeah but it's bullshit <laughs> it's just not true <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to say that hmm. uh, so now you have to re-educate people often um, although I, I would say there's also a lot of smart people and a lot of talented people in some organizations and some organizations actually build up um, quite you know quite good people and quite good teams and actually take it serious but it's still a lot of something I'm really something I'm really curious about is um, I I did a project recently with a big enterprise company and I I got in and I was really expecting a little bit of what we're talking about that they've been excited about blockchain because it's hype um, but that we would have to explain a lot of those concepts and uh, like get them to understand what what they could actually use it for, but I got in and was surprised to find they actually know exactly what their use case is, what wow. they want to do with it, uh, how they're going to deploy it. Um, have you found that like that that is actually the case most of the time now that they actually know their use case, or is it still like in this like they know they want to use blockchain for something, but not what? Yeah, it's really mixed. I think like like the the gap between like. The, the knowledge level of, of, of teams and companies is just massive. Like, I've, like, I have the same thing. Like, I had this experience where you talk to people and they exactly know, like, you know, we identified these use cases. We think that makes sense. And you listen to it and you're like, yeah, I think it makes sense too, for sure. But you still have these people that come and they're like, so we heard you guys do blockchain. Um, we heard it's the next new thing. Can, you know, can we do something about can it? Can we also do blockchain? Can we also do blockchain? Yeah. <laughs> and there's no, like, you don't even, as, like, especially coming from the core where you just have, like, these infrastructure pieces, like, without knowing, like, since we are not in any industry vertical, right? Like, we have this infrastructure that you can potentially build any application on top of it. So it's impossible for us to know all the needs in every vertical. I don't know necessarily anything about any specific domain. So having these like super generic requests of like, oh, can you build a blockchain for us doesn't help us at all because we don't know the needs of a specific industry. So having a team in that is industry, industry that knows the industry needs, um, that we can work closely together, but it also like knows at least the basics of the technology so they can develop their use cases and we can see how it fits into the infrastructure and whether, whether we can deliver these needs. Um, uh, is like just crucial for any project. Yeah. And can you make it blue? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Um, I think we've covered some really good ground here. Um, I want to say thanks to you guys for having this convo. I think we should have more of them. I actually Absolutely. really, there, really... There's so many topics, like every person I ever talked to was just like, oh, I want to dig into this, I want to dig into that, and like ask more questions about this uh, this aspect or that aspect. So we certainly need to do more more podcasts with these people in Definitely. the room. So thank you very much for doing this one. But yeah. more should be coming, and uh, it's been super fun and interesting talking to you guys. Very cool. Cool. Thanks for having us.
And thank you listeners for listening.